How's it going, everyone? Joe Gabby here, welcoming you to edition 21 of Joe vs. World. My guest today is one of our more popular recurring guests, and he's making his third appearance to talk about Ring of Honor. He is Matt Feuerstein. Matt, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. And uh, in fact, because the show is turning 21, I'm going to pop open a cold one here. Ooh. I uh, found a can of Coors Light in my fridge. I'm not much of a drinker, and uh, I don't know where this came from. Maybe uh, from a WrestleMania party I had. Maybe <laughs> it's maybe WrestleMania 20 for all I know. But I'm gonna wow. pop it open here. Well, we're all we're uh, all grown up now. We are all grown up. Oh, that tastes terrible. <laughs> Ugh, I well. Anyway, we are here to discuss uh, Glory by Under Five weekend, or Glory by Five, as Bobby Cruz called it on night one. <laughs> and <laughs> night one was quite the night. We'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah. It sounds like uh, your experience was a possibly more interesting than mine. Uh, interesting is a, a very good way to put it, but uh, I will rant for a second here. Of course, we had Glory by Honor, Night 1 and Night 2, and I'm not a big fan of splitting up the, the big, offense, uh, big events like this into separate nights. I know why they do it. I'm sure it's more cost-prohibitive to run double shots, but you don't have WrestleMania Night 1 and WrestleMania Night 2. You just have the, the big WrestleMania. No, yeah, it, it takes a little bit away from the prestige of the various events when when you know, like one night isn't the the event. Although clearly, I think, no offense, but uh, night two was the event in this particular instance. I, I do completely agree, and I'm sure um, it's a sexier, so to speak, to have, you know, glory by honor night one instead of just you know random event, and then the next day you have the big, the right, big exactly, show. exactly. Well, anyway, I was at uh, night one of glory by honor, so I guess I will start. Uh, this mm-hmm. was in East Windsor, Connecticut, and. The problem with shows on Fridays is that you I want to leave real early for them, otherwise you get stuck in, in Friday traffic from people coming home from work. Right. Not a problem on Saturday, so I left uh, I left at like 4, and I was still in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the Mass Pike, which is lovely, but mm-hmm. I, I did stop in Wendy's um, before the event and saw the ROH students uh, in line in front of me. Oh, wow. And um, I, I know Shane Hagedorn ordered a number 5 combo menu for those who, uh, who are curious about that. and you have, you have to specify what a number five is for all the fans out there. I really don't know what a number five is. All I heard him say was number five, and um, I always get the, the spicy chicken sandwich, so that's all I'm really concerned with. I've never had a bad spicy chicken sandwich, so... No, that's definitely the best uh, fast food sandwich. Yes. And, uh, and then Roderick Strong and Cole Cabana came in uh, after me, and it took me like ten minutes to realize that was Roderick Strong, so um, maybe all those complaints about his look are uh, somewhat validated. Yeah, I have a uh, a pretty goofy story about Roderick Strong. Uh, the uh, the at um, the Howie Roll event in mm-hmm. May, I was coming out of the bathroom before the show, and Roderick Strong was coming in, and I held the door open for him, and he said, "Thanks, buddy," in his uh, <laughs> high guy voice. So then, the, the next month in uh, in New York City, I was at the Dwayne Reed across the street from the New Yorker Hotel before the show. Mm-hmm. And I saw two lines over for me was Roderick Strong buying something. And as I left, he was coming out right after me. And once again, I held the door open for him, and he said, thanks, dude. So, uh, I don't know. Who who holds the door open for the same wrestler twice? It's kind of weird. That is quite the tale. You yeah. are, um, you're like his, his manservant. And, uh, <laughs> I will also note uh, Jack Evans also came in but did not eat food. Although I did see Jack Evans smoking cigarettes before the show. That night, which uh, cracked me up for some reason. That's that's actually a pretty common occurrence. I've seen her smoking cigarettes outside before the show a few times. <laughs> and one time, I think it was before the uh, the fight of the century event last mm-hmm. month. He was standing there talking to someone, smoking cigarettes, and he just randomly did a backflip, a standing backflip. So that was that does not surprise me uh, in, in the slightest. But 
anyway, I arrive at the uh, the the CT Sports Center, or whatever this place is called, and uh, there's some fans tailgating, and I hung out with them, and a cameraman actually came over and filmed us, so you may see me uh, holding my, my Pepsi Jazz strawberries and cream mm-hmm. before the show, and I noticed a, a big tent on a field, and I thought it may be for some kind of, of graduation, which was... Stupid because it's September and not say May or May or June. But right. I asked some fans, and apparently that was where the show was going to be held that night. And um, very curious about this. I don't know what the official story is. They had a, a permit problem. I guess they oversold tickets. Yeah, I think there was there was something with the permit, and the fire marshal was nervous about the number of tickets, despite the fact that as I mean, at least as it seemed to me, watching the DVD of the uh, June event there, it's a pretty big place, and they only drew, like, four or 500 people, right? Yeah, so. there were um, 500 people there, I believe, in, uh, in June, and I don't know why. There were about 500 people here tonight. I don't know what the problem was, but nonetheless, we were uh, stuck in a tent. Now, uh, how did uh, how did you take that news? Like, was the was the crowd pretty much just like, oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll see Ring of Honor in a, in a unique atmosphere. It'll be a memorable show for a you know uh, a disappointing reason or were they pissed off about it um i think people were just happy to see ring of honor in some form although uh i mean th- this tent we were packed in like sardines this was not a big tent mm-hmm. uh we were packed in it was very hot in there due to the heat kind of being trapped and it also started to pour rain and i mean monsooning and the roof was leaking on fans which um uh not not a good thing i mean i would feel drops like hitting my head and and it was crazy, but I mean, the the card was so good, it kind of overcame that. If, if this was a bad or even a mediocre show, it would have been bad. But this was a very, very good show, wrestling wise. And yeah, I imagine that your heart rose when you got there and you went under the tent in the pouring rain, and the lights dimmed. I don't even. I, I assume they used lights. And, yes, um, they did. And um, the smooth sounds of Dun and Marcos's music started playing. And you knew you were seeing big-time wrestling. Oh, there was excitement before that, because we had a pre-show this night, uh, unannounced. But, um, yes, I will quickly run over these matches. We had uh, Sugarfoot Alex Payne beating Bobby Dempsey, who is the uh, beefier Dempsey brother with an inverted DDT. Who is, uh, who the hell is uh, Alex Payne? Because I've I've never heard of this man before, and uh, he appeared at the pre-show. Yeah, um, he's the the curly-haired kid that I've been seeing at RFH shows for a for a while, and it always, uh, you know, just helping out or doing, working the uh, the merchandise table or showing people to their seats. I, <laughs> you know, I should have known because pretty much everyone besides one or two people who works those shows are students. But mm. he, uh, he, I like, I never would have guessed in a million years that he was a student, like a re- like a student wrestler. I would have always assumed that he was like somebody's, you know, younger nephew, younger cousin, or nephew, or um, or just <laughs> some relative. He just looks like. He looks so young. Mm. And he is um he is Sugarfoot. What um what does that mean? Is that like a, a southern colloquialism meaning he's like fast or something or I uh I'm not sure, but I do know that was a western television show in the uh late fifties or early sixties. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, good enough. And uh match two we had uh, Derek Dempsey, the other Dempsey brother brother beating Mitch Franklin by submission. Uh Derek now looks and acts like he's possessed by Chris Jericho. And the uh, only thing of note here was afterwards, uh, Derek went up to a young boy and his father. He shook the father's hand, thanked him for coming to the show, and said, you have a lovely daughter here. And boy, oh boy, was the dad pissed at this. But wow. That was, uh, yeah, that was good stuff. And then we had the exciting return of Dunn and Marcos as they beat Rhett the Threat Titus and Pelly Primo in uh, a whopping two minutes with a little senton thing that doesn't have a name. Boy, if you went to that show 
and uh, you didn't know the, the lineup in advance, and you went all the way out there in the rain and were sitting under the tent, and you watched that match. No offense to those guys. They're all fine. But uh, yeah, I, I think you'd probably be a little disappointed. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I probably may have hopped the fence and uh, gone back home had I seen this. But sure. but no, uh, excitement happened as Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli bust in through the crowd mm-hmm. and uh, challenged then and Marcos to prepare for uh, Austin Aries and Roderick Strong the, the next night. And they quickly beat them with their um, wacky double-team powerbomb thing, which I believe they won the titles with the next night. And yep. uh, this was totally fine. They had, I guess, I think it was the Chikara tag belts, and got a plastic belts chant uh, after the match. Yep, same thing. Uh, same thing the next night, and uh, yeah, that sounds like a uh, you know good way to build up Hero and Claudio. There's mm. uh, not not too many guys, uh, not too many other tag teams around this weekend for them to face. But I say uh, you know a squash is pretty much the best possible way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had uh, f- uh, what do they call the four ways. Four corner survival. That's it. Yeah, we had one of them. We had, we had uh, the smoking Jack Evans with uh, Ricky Reyes, Colt Cabana, and Jimmy Jacobs. And I believe the storyline here is that Colt uh, boinked Lacey at some point, And I'm yep. not really up to this. Maybe you can fill me in. Okay. Well, obviously, I mean, as well, I guess not everyone knows, but people who've been following Ring of Honor this year know the storyline with Jimmy Jacobs and Lacey is that she is his manager. She wants him to take things seriously and win matches. And he is completely in love with her, and all he wants to do is make her happy and be with her. And he wrote her a infamous ballad that's mm-hmm. posted on the internet. And then he caught her apparently in a mini in St. Paul, Minnesota, last month. Uh, and I quote, having sex with Colt Cabana. So he's heartbroken and despondent, and she's, um, you know, she, she who normally. Is all about him winning matches. Wants him to take it easy on Colt, and he's struggling to uh, to not let out all of his aggressions to uh, so he can make Lacey happy. Yes, and uh, the story of this match was Colt just absolutely tormenting poor Jimmy. He had Bobby Cruz announce that he did not, in fact, get to third base with Lacey in the bushes 40 minutes before the show, mm-hmm. and then Lacey uh, ordered Jimmy to work with Colt during the match. So. Colt would say, uh, hold Ricky Reyes up for a heart attack, and uh, when Jimmy would leave for clothesline, Colt would, Colt would saunder away so Jimmy would fall flat on his face. And um, The finish saw Jimmy and Colt actually working together until Colt accidentally clotheslined Jimmy. Uh, Jack Evans went up to the top rope, realized with the tent um, he could not do the 630, so kind of walked out to the middle of the top rope and did, uh, I guess, a somersault leg drop. I don't know if that was his intention, but hey, it scored the win. Yeah, it sounds like a cool move anyway. It was, and this was a very entertaining match uh, for obvious reasons when you have Cole Caban in there. Yep. All right, then we had uh, Nigel McGuinness beating Chris Daniels, and uh, boy, the crowd could not have cared less about this match. And uh, it started to pour rain at this point, so uh, we were uh, understandably distracted. But Yeah, I imagine that was probably a big part of the reason because Daniels is pretty much over anywhere, and... Uh, McGinnis has really been on a roll lately, and he's been getting some of the best reactions at the shows that I've been to. So mm-hmm. I imagine that the rain was probably a big factor in this match not getting over as well as it as it might have. Yeah, this uh, the match was totally fine. I'm sure it'll be fine on DVD. But uh, Nigel tried to do a headstand. I think he hit his feet on the tent, and uh, Daniels went to do a BME, looked at the tent, and then just said, "Damn." And uh, since McGinnis was getting the uh, GHC title shot tomorrow, uh, there wasn't a lot of doubt about who would win this one. And Nigel won with a Tower of London, and that was that. 
sounds good. All right, and then they brought out uh, Takeshi Morishima, Muhammad Yone, whose afro was even better in public, and uh, Takeshi Shugiera. I'm sure I butchered that, but mm-hmm. oh, I should also worth noting there was no autograph session with the Noah people, perhaps due to the rain. I don't know, but. Anyway, Brian Danielson came out, and uh, in the greatest moment ever, someone yelled out that uh, he sucked, and he replied, I suck, you're the ones in a tent. And I'm like, yep, there you go. And, and he, he was said... Also in, he was also in the tent, right? He was in the tent, but not, not all night. Okay. But, um, yeah, he uh, he said you would beat up Kenta, and that was about that. And he, uh, he I know they're trying to do the old, uh, old, old school NWA champion type of deal, but he really needs to wear a suit, because... Uh, Showing up in ratty jeans and a t-shirt just uh, isn't going to cut it when you're the champ. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I've heard that theory and that uh, philosophy uh, by, from a lot of people, and I'm one of the few people who doesn't really agree with it. I kind of think it's cool that he's just, you know, he's just an athlete, and that's all he cares about, and he doesn't, you know, I mean, his whole thing, I think, is being in his own goofy way uh, kind of a rebel. He uh, on, the, uh, on the DVD for... Um, what, what show was it? Generation Now, which I bought on uh, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. He did a promo calling him where he described himself as a, a socialist. So I think uh, he's uh, he's raging against the machine in his uh, tasty white nerdy way. I don't know if if he had a bad suit, that'd be even better, like a like a plaid tweed suit. <laughs> That's actually an excellent idea. Yeah. Anyway, we had uh, Austin a- Austin Aries beating uh, Davy Richards, and the crowd was more into this match. This was very good. They couldn't really do any high flying because of the um, the tent, and uh, I think this actually added to the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aries kicked Davy square in the head like uh, about three times during the wow. match, and uh, pinned him after two brain busters. And Davy's either very good at uh, acting like he has a concussion, or he really had a concussion. So I could see it going either way. Yeah. Uh, then we had intermission, which was uh, eight minutes long, <laughs> to the rain, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess they're usually like ridiculously long. Yeah, but they, they even said this would be a short intermission, but post-intermission, we had Delirious beating Shane Hagedorn with uh, his submission move, which I do not know the name of. Does it uh, have um, a name? or? Uh, Delirious submission? I think it was the uh, Cobra Stretch. Okay, fair enough. Uh, pretty much your standard post-intermission Delirious match. I think Hagedorn yep. did a fine job being the straight man, and uh, this was fine. Okay, then we had Samoa Joe beating Roderick Strong, and uh, this was maybe the match of the night, and holy cow, these two just killed each other. Uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this one. This was this was fantastic stuff, and the only maybe downside was that no one really thought Roderick would win over Joe at this point, but mm-hmm. uh, just total mauling, and the end saw Joe just kill Roderick with a top rope Death Valley driver, because, I mean, Roderick landed right on his head, and I think his body was straight as an arrow, and it was just absolutely terrifying, and... Mm-hmm. If you uh, hold the door for Roderick in the future, it, it may be the handicapped uh, entrance door because I don't, I don't know how he and he walked out, which amazed me. But yeah, definitely check this one out. Yeah, so you wouldn't say that Joe was holding back at all because of his TNA commitment. Joe did not uh, hold back in the least. From uh, I'm sure Roderick wished he had, but uh, he did not. Yeah, I, uh, would you say this match was hurt at all by the uh, conditions? No, not in the least, not in the the slightest. Crowd was totally into this. Uh, it, it had that that big match feel to it, and um, yes, probably I will say the match of the night. And uh, then we had uh, the main event of GHC champion Naomichi Marufuji and Kenta beating the Briscoes, um, with uh, Marufuji as GHC champ and Kenta challenging for the ROH title. This outcome was also not very much in doubt, but 
Right. I was I was happy this only went 21 minutes. A lot of these junior tag matches tend to go to 30, 35 minute range, including the the uh, the best in the world tag match, which could have used a little time shaved off it. But this was perfect length, fantastic match, tons of hot moves, and uh, Kenta pinned Mark with the go to sleep and um, real good stuff. It's, it sounds really exciting. Did uh, did the crowd get into the Briscoes' uh, near falls? Um, oh, yeah, I think they did. I thought people may have held out a, a minor hope uh, the Briscoes would win, but people were way into Kenta and Marafuji, and um, this was a hell of a match. And um, I have to say about this show, everything worked on some level. I mean, maybe I mean the, the Daniels-Nigel match, the crowd wasn't into it, but it was still a fine match, and... Really, in the last half of the show, it was just whole blow away. Real good stuff, and it was a, a surprisingly short show. It only it didn't even go three hours. It was about uh, yeah, two that hours. was uh, that, sorry. Oh no, um, go ahead. That was my reaction when I was uh, following the results online that night. I was just like, wow, they really burned through the show. I I can't recall the last ROH show that went la- under three hours live. You should get at least uh, three and a half, sometimes up to four, but right. But uh, I definitely recommend the DVD, and I'm, I'm curious how this is going to look. I mean, the the tent, it may have this weird claustrophobic feel to it with everyone packed in in the, the tent coming down over the ring, but but we shall see. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this show for a number of reasons. Yep. And uh, we had night two at the Manhattan Center, which uh, I assume is not a tent, but the home of lots of uh, crappy Raws in 1993. How was the building for uh, for ROH? It was, uh, <laughs> it was great. Um Really, uh, uh, unlike any other ROH show I've been to in terms of atmosphere, it just felt classy, uh, important, um, serious. Like, it, I mean, there, this, you know, I mean, whatever you want to call ROH, this was not an independent wrestling show. This was a big time wrestling event, and everything about it uh, suggested that. I mean, except unless you want to argue that 1,200 fans does not a big time wrestling event make. But I mean, they just, I mean, they even pulled out the. Uh, the labels on the seats to say which seat was which, which uh, ROH should have done for a long time but never has. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, before the show, um, even after the doors opened, there was a line stretched all the way around the block, around two corners. I was standing in line. People kept coming up and being like, what the what the hell is this line for? What's going on here? And and we, you know, people were saying wrestling, and they're like, wow. And, um, and you know, people were making comments about how... Uh, Oh, so that oh, so that's why I don't see any women. But but, uh, but yeah, it was uh, you know there was definitely a buzz in the air before the show. There was a buzz when you sat down, and there was really a buzz throughout the night. It was uh, it was it was pretty exciting. So, what were your uh, quick overall thoughts on the show? It's I mean I haven't heard like anyone say a bad thing about this show. Yeah, um, probably the best Ring of Honor show ever. Uh, at least, I mean, easily in the top five. Uh, the only other shows that I would say would possibly uh, challenge it would be the uh, April 1st show from Chicago of this year, um, probably the uh, Manhattan Mayhem show from 2005, and uh, <laughs> that's really about it. Uh, wow. This, um, I mean, it was just... There was just something different about it than any Ring of Honor show. It just it felt like a like a real serious big like I said before big event like with a big fight feel. Uh, it's it's really hard to describe it. Like I mean the ma- the matches were you know great, especially the top matches, and that obviously made it one of the best shows ever. But there was something else about it. It, was, it just it felt like a pay per view event. I, I don't I don't really know how to describe it other than that. 
All right, well, we'll go over the uh, the results here. We had, in the opener, we had Davey Richards beating Jack Evans in a little eight-minute opener. Yep, and uh, uh, I probably, uh, they probably uh, couldn't have done a better job opening the show. Um, pretty much nonstop action. Evans looked as crisp as I've ever seen him, pretty much hitting everything. I'd say the one, uh, the one possible uh, botch that he did was when, and it probably wasn't even his fault if it was a botch, was when Dave Richards draped him over the uh, over the top rope, you know, uh, stomach first, and he kind of, his momentum carried him forward, and he fell down and hit his face really hard on the ring apron. Ow. So if anything, that botch added another, you know, an extra ooh and ah to the match, but he seemed fine, so it was cool. Um, yeah, but Evans did, uh, you know, dive to the floor, he did a Pele kick, um, you know, Richards did his Kawada kicks to the head, uh, and eventually, and uh, uh, Evans went for his 6:30, and Richards got the knees up, and uh, Richards eventually won with his uh, with his leg submission. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but it's the one where he uh, kind of wraps the one of the legs around his head and kind of puts it in a Boston Crab position, and uh, Evans tapped out. I like Brock Lesnar's old uh, right, submission, exactly. the Brock Lock. Right. I think that may be called a horse collar. Submission of some kind. You're right, you're right. I think you're right. There you go. All right, and then we had uh, the Noah contingent coming out, and uh, Bruno came out. How was, uh, yep. how was Bruno? Bruno was uh, was good. I mean, he uh, you know, he seemed very together for his age. I mean, no offense. And, uh, you know, the crowd was completely respectful. Uh, welcome, welcome home, Chance. Thank you, Bruno, Chance. Uh, you know, he didn't say, you know, so much of note. He pretty much just praised Ring of Honor talked about how impressed he was with the product, with the wrestlers, talked about how impressed he was with them being able to go 60 minutes, which you don't see much nowadays. Mm. And um, that was pretty much it. It was pretty much a love fest. And uh, they uh, made the most of it by uh, uh, segueing it into uh, a big angle. Oh. Do you think Bruno... Uh, I'm sure Bruno would still uh, kick my ass even at his age, but um, do you think he, he actually watches ROH DVDs or... Well, I, I believe him when he said that he was sent some ROH DVDs and oh, okay. checked the, and checked them out. Like, oh. I, I I have a feeling he didn't watch every match on <laughs> any of the DVDs he was sent. But I'm going to guess that he at least watched one complete match. Probably, Probably. The, the hour or the Danielson longer matches. I'm sure he would. Yeah, maybe a Samoa Joe match. Cause sure. Probably, I'm sure he heard a lot of people saying you got to check out this Joe guy. So. I can't and, imagine uh, him uh, watching a Jack Evans match and saying, "Wow, this is great stuff." Yeah, I don't think so. And no. by this Joe guy, I uh, I didn't mean you, unfortunately. Oh, all right. Well, I'm sure uh, people don't check out uh, ROH DVDs to see me in the crowd, but okay. you may see me tailgating at this uh, at night one, so you can check well, that out. So. Well, but maybe uh, maybe Bruno's listening right now. So he may say be. Hi, say hi to him. I'll say hi. He's gonna come after you for that age crack. <laughs> well, this uh, segue into. Looked... Oh, go ahead. No, just gonna... he looked good. Despite being uh, bald, so that was a little bit startling. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, All what right. do you do? Yeah, and uh, you said the segued into uh, something or other. Oh, yeah, something or other. Um, as uh, as everyone, uh, you know, like, like you said, a uh, few of the NOAA guys and a lot of the ROH guys, the top guys, surrounded the ring um, to uh, show appreciation to Bruno. And after Bruno left, they started walking to the back, and Samoa Joe and Takeshi Morishima butted heads on the... Uh, on the aisle way, and Joe got into the ring and basically uh, uh, threw down the card and told Morishima to get into the ring. 
So we got in, and they immediately just went at it. Uh, the crowd was going insane. And then everyone rushed the ring and uh, did uh, one of, did the pull-apart. Uh, uh, then they broke, broke free, went out again. You know, classic pull-apart brawl. But this one got over pretty well because that's um, probably the, uh, the international dream match of the hour. And uh, they, uh, they picked a good way to, uh, to get the ball rolling on that. Mm. All right, sounds good. And then uh, our next match, we had Adam Pearce beating Delirious when uh, Shane Hagedorn interfered. Yep, uh, this was a, um, you know, just a, just a basic match. It was fun. Nothing much to it. Uh, you know, Pierce hit his power moves, spine buster, did some, you know, chicken, chicken shit healing. Uh, Delirious did his, uh, his fun spots. He, the, the big spot was Delirious got Pierce in the corner and did his, uh, you know, his successive clotheslines, and he, the crowd counted along, and he got up to 50, and the crowd went nuts. Then he paused for a second. Then he did 10 more. When the the crowd also went nuts for, and then he did a a bulldog headlock. Um, the end came when uh, I believe Hagedorn pushed. I'm trying to, I might be getting confused with the finish of the tag title match, but I think Hagedorn pushed Delirious off the top rope, and uh, Pierce was able to uh, pin him. And uh, after the match, Pierce announced Hagedorn as his new assistant, and then referred to him as as his manservant. Which Hagedorn was uh, unusually happy about. <laughs> okay, I was and, good to uh, see uh, an ROH student getting an angle or something happening with him, even yeah, if it was I mean, being Adam Pierce's manservant. Yep, definitely. I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Hagedorn hangs with, on the uh, main roster with an actual angle going on. Hmm. All right, and then we had uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Cole Cabana, and Christopher Daniels in a three-way match, and um, sounds somewhat similar to uh, the. Uh, four corner survival last night. Why don't you tell us about this? Yeah, it was pretty much the same deal as the match the night before, except with Daniels in there instead of the uh, instead of Evans and uh, I'm sorry, who's the other guy in the uh, the four corner survival? Uh, Ricky Reyes. Right, right. And um, you know, pretty much like there's really not even much difference that I could say. It's pretty much the same stuff. You know, Cabana would hold uh, would hold Daniels in place, and uh, and Jacobs would dive at him. And Cabana would move Daniels out of the way, and Jacobs would fall on his face. Uh, I think the, probably the big high spot came when uh, when Daniels moved out of the way, and Jacobs quote unquote accidentally speared Cabana, and then gave the crowd a big smirk uh-huh. as Lacey uh, looked on in horror. And then eventually uh, Jacobs just couldn't take it anymore. He uh, kicked Cabana in the balls, did the contra code off of uh, off of Daniels, and got the pin. So uh, you know, like I said. Hmm. Pretty much the same match as the night before. Also got over really well. It was a fun match. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Then we had Jim Cornette and the Briscoes coming out for a promo. Uh, Cornette did a big spiel here. He started out you know, trying to play Mr. Nice Guy, saying that he, uh, he loves Ring of Honor, he loves the fans. The only guy he has a problem with is Homicide. But then he corrected that by saying he has a problem with anyone who supports Homicide. And he asked the crowd to, by a show of hands, who supported him and who supported Homicide. And, of course, being in New York City, everyone supported Homicide. So he uh, went off on a big rant about New York and Homicide uh, in TNA, complaining about you know, getting a raw deal because of his ethnicity and saying that he was a minority in New York City because he's a fat white guy. And he uh, you know, made fun of immigrants, said he, uh, he only likes people who were born in the United States and then specified the southern United States and just kept ranting about that for a while to a good amount of booze. Then he... Um, 
he uh, he uh, he said that he had promised Homicide a world title match, and Homicide was going to get it. He was going to give it to him in October, but uh, since Homicide's such a jerk, he decided he'd make him wait until uh, till December at Final Battle in New York City. But the condition was that Homicide had to win the match tonight, which kind of gave away the finish. But uh, well, oh well. Yeah. And he, uh, didn't the uh, Briscoes have uh, their uh, Confederate bandanas? And, yes, and aren't they from Delaware? Yeah, I've never really quite understood that. I didn't even know people in Delaware uh, talked like the Briscoes, even <laughs> the rural parts. But uh, I don't know. Well, that is I, the south to me, technically, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah you're way up there. Um, but yeah, so uh, Joe's uh, Godzilla theme uh, interrupted Cornette and kicked right off into the uh, Kill Bill sirene music. Oh. And it's a homicide theme, and they came out to, uh, to Big Pop, uh, so the match started, and it was obviously a great match. Uh, they started off right off the bat, throwing the Briscoes out of the ring and doing uh, stereo dives, Joe with his uh, elbow suicida and um, Homicide with his tope con hilo. And, uh, you know, then they just kind of went back and forth for a while, just hit all the big spots. Um, uh, Jay, no, Mark at one point hit a, uh, a uh, tope suicida, hands-free, uh, over-the-top rope dive onto Homicide, uh, Joe and uh, and Jay exchanged big boots. Homicide and Jay exchanged big boots. Uh, um, you know they worked each other over pretty good. And the end came when uh, Mark and I mean uh, Mark was going for the uh, springboard doomsday device. Uh, mm-hmm. Homicide was on Jay's shoulders, but uh, Joe uh, grabbed Jay uh, grabbed Mark's leg, pulled him out of the ring, hit the ole ole kick. While Homicide and Mark fought over their big moves. Uh, Homicide going for the cop killer and Jay going for the um, for the press slam into the Death Valley driver. Mm-hmm. Homicide got his first, uh, got the win, big pop, uh, great match, and that was the first half of the show. Did uh, Joe and Homicide have any problems during the match? Or? No, not at all. It was probably it was oh. kind of actually over the top the way uh, how eager Joe was to uh, be Homicide and Julie Smokes' buddy. He was you know doing the Rottweiler sign. They were. Um, you know, he was just he was just really into the the music and everything. I think he uh, he probably always wanted to come out to that music. Um, that's I think that's some of the best uh, best entrance music in wrestling. That's and, a good point. Um, yeah, and they uh, no yeah there was no sign of dissension whatsoever. It was just a straight up you know superhero babyface tag team. All right, and then we had uh, intermission, which I assume was not eight minutes. No, 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 it was like half an hour. That that um. They made a killing that night because that uh, that merchandise table was a zoo. You you couldn't get anywhere near it like, without mm. having to shove your way through a ton of people. And um, so I imagine that's why they kept it going as long as they did. But uh, yep, uh, that's that. All right, and then uh, then we had the Kings of Wrestling beating Austin Aries and Roderick Strong to win the ROH Tag Titles, ending the champs' nine-month reign. Uh, this sounds like a, a killer match. Yeah, it was uh, it was good stuff. It was uh, it was a little bit different than I expected, but uh, no, really great stuff. Like uh, old school heel versus face tag match. Um, the you know right from the uh, you know the hero and Claudio entrance, it was um, you know the match felt like a big deal. They had a really good entrance. They appeared on the stage instead of through the entranceway. As we are the champions played, they got one of the biggest reactions of the night. You know, both heel and face. Um, one of the first times I can remember that. It seems like almost every single person was in their seat the second um, the second half started, mm. and uh, they made their way through the crowd. Um, 
you know, um, Aries and Strong came out. They, um, Hero and, uh, they, you know, they started off with uh, Hero and Claudio doing, like, their uh, heel miscommunication spots. But after that, it was pretty much all um, all the kings of wrestling, uh, you know, getting the heat. I mean, you know, save for a few hope spots here and there and, and the end of the match. Um, you know, and, you know, Hero, Hero would stand the apron most of the time playing to the crowd. Claudio would uh, work over Aries' ribs. Um, you know, the... Um, they didn't do as much of their like wacky tumbly spots, but you know there was you know a lot of good solid stuff. Um, you know towards the end of the match, uh, Roderick made the hot tag, uh, did some big kicks. Uh, Aries and Roderick uh, both did consecutive dives over the top rope. Um, let's see what else. Uh, um, Hero and uh, and Claudio. Um, the, as Aries was going to the top rope, Claudio uh, behind the rest back grabbed the uh, his briefcase that he's been carrying around. And hit um, hit Aries in the ribs, sending Aries off the top rope onto the floor. Then they did a double team hero's welcome onto Strong, and they sent him to the floor. And then they spent a, an odd amount of time kind of just posing in the ring, doing their little dosy do wave to the crowd thing, and uh, you know just kind of playing around until uh, Aries made his way back into the ring. He fought them off, but then they hit their uh, their double team flip over power bomb dealing about, and they won the match. Big pop. Uh, yeah, great old-school tag match, one of the best in ROH in a while. Uh, so Chris Hero pretty much has to be a full-timer now, right? Yeah, I mean, they made the announcement on the uh, ROH uh, website that because he won the tag title, he's officially a member of the ROH roster, and I think it's smart because obviously Gabe, uh, you know, Gabe resisted for a long time bringing him in, but, you know, the people have spoken. Like, that guy came in, he was instantly one of the most over people on the show. You know, he has, I don't know, it's, it's really weird because he's just, you know, I mean, He's tall for an indie wrestler, but mm-hmm. really, if you look at him, I mean, he kind of just looks like a schlub, you know, no <laughs> physique or anything. Yeah. But no, but like that's you know, not taking really anything away from him. He's you know, he's great. Like he has, he has just the most inexplicable aura about him. I don't, I don't really know what it is that uh, that causes him to, you know, cause you know, turn as many heads as he does. But you know, he's I don't know, he's a he's one of you know he's a rare talent. He's he's one of the best guys on the indies and. It's smart of them to finally a cave and bring him in because he has a lot to the show. Yeah, and he's not a guy that's going to get poached by uh, TNA or the WWE probably anytime soon. No, although that's like kind of a weird dream for me, just seeing that guy as Chris Hero on WWE TV. I just think that would like I'm not like I mean I like Chris Hero, but he's not one of my favorite wrestlers or anything. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't know. I just think it would be so weird. Like like I'd really believe that the Indian invasion is taking over if I'm watching that guy do a cravat on Raw or something. <laughs> that may be a pipe dream, but uh, really, who knows? Yeah. Then we had a GHC title defense. Eighth match of the show, Naomichi Mirafuji with a successful first defense over Nigel McGuinness. Uh, sounds like this was a hell of a match. Yeah, it was uh, It was unbelievable. Nigel is, uh, I don't know, he really snuck up on me. Kind of like uh, the way Danielson did in terms of personality. Nigel did in terms of just intensity and just overall, you know, wrestling ability. You know, I've liked him since I first saw him, you know, which, granted, wasn't too long ago. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, see him in his very early stages when he was supposedly abysmal. But, no. you know, he was just, you know, but he was just kind of like a silly undercard guy. He did his uh, his British style. He did it well. But it was, you know, kind of a jokey style. Excuse me. And um, all of a sudden this year, he uh, he just breaks out the intensity, the hard lariats. You know, he's never going to get credit for it because he's a, an indie guy in uh, in the U.S., but... He throws one of the best lariats in the business right now. 
And uh, he's just been in one amazing match after another. The match in England with Danielson looks incredible. And this match, he just, you know, he just brought it. He, you know, I mean, Marafuji was great, but Nigel made the match with his intensity, his screaming, his stiffness, uh, his, you know, his determination. Um, that guy, if he doesn't win Most Improved Wrestler of the Year, you know, even, you know, even beyond someone like Lashley, who I guess has become, you know, went from pretty bad to all right, whereas uh, McGinnis went from, you know, pretty good to uh you know honestly one of the one of the best on the on the indies by far and um i don't know this this match i think really solidifies it and it, once people see it in japan and here he's going to be uh he's going to be a you know a real you know on the indie level you know a bigger star um this match um you know it started out you know kind of like most noah matches where they kind of did some you know mat work that didn't necessarily lead to anything but you know it was uh, all solid and stuff Marafuji worked over Nigel's leg, put on the figure four leg lock. You know, it didn't didn't have the most heat in the world, but you know, it was obvious people were paying attention. Then they finally got into the uh, the big spots. Nigel hit, you know, Nigel draped um, Marafuji uh, crotch first over the uh, top rope and hit uh, his uh, his lariat off the second rope. Got a near fall. Marafuji hit the uh, sh- uh, Shiranui. I don't know how he pronounces it, but um, Shuinui. That's how I say. Sh- Okay. Well, I'm going to call it the slice bread. There you go. How about that? So he hit the slice bread, number two, um, from the uh, apron onto the floor. So that got a big pop, holy shit chant. And mm-hmm. um, they did the spot where Nigel makes it right back in it. At, uh, at 19, they exchanged some more moves. Uh, Nigel hit some more lariats, including his uh, his pendulum lariat, which I think is one of the most underrated moves in the uh, in wrestling right now. Got a, another huge near fall. Um, he hit his uh, he did his uh, handstand in the corner and Marfuji charged and Nigel hit a uh, a double boot got a near fall hit the Tower of London got a near fall uh, this is awesome chance started around now and then after that you know I thought they were they were going to go into the finish but then Nigel uh, hit the Tower of London um, with Marfuji on the top rope and Nigel standing on the apron he did it onto the apron and then down to the floor Ow. which got another big holy shit chant they did another uh, count out spot. I think uh, ROH really loves to do the countout spots when they get a chance because they don't have countouts in most of their matches, and mm-hmm. those are always the uh, the big spots in uh, the Noah title defenses, which where the guy uh, takes some crazy bump on the floor and gets back in right before the 20 count. So they did that twice here, and they did it in this case, and then um, they changed some more big moves. Uh, I believe Nigel probably hit another lariat. Um, he did his handstand, but Marafuji countered with a, a super kick to the face. You know, it's got a big pop. Then he went up and did his uh, his springboard, you know, uh, coast to coast uh, drop kick onto Nigel, who was in the Tree of Woe. And then uh, he hit his, um, you know, hit the super slice bread and uh, got the uh, got the pin. And uh, yeah, just people were on their feet for the last probably ten minutes of this. Um, you know, tons of uh, you know smarky indie chants. You know, thank you and sure. match, you know match of the year. That that was awesome. Uh, thank you, Noah, ROH, uh, you know, just, everyone was just in awe. It was, like, I expected that to be a good match, but it, it blew away my expectations. It was, uh, like, I, I don't know, like, that, that Marafuji can hope to have many more better title defenses than this. Mm. Like, this was, I mean, like, I, I would definitely say that this, that they made a smart decision having that match in New York as his first defense, because that crowd just uh, made it seem like the, the biggest deal in the world. Mm. 
All right, and uh, we weren't done. We had another title match. We had uh, Brian Danielson against Kenta. And it sounds like another yeah. winner of a match. Yeah, the crowd was exhausted from this, so maybe for the first, like, maybe five minutes they weren't as into it as you might have thought, but, I mean, they pulled them in really quickly. Um, you know, they did, uh, uh, Danielson, you know, did mat work to start while Kenta, um, Kenta tried to go for the shoulder doing his hard kicks. They exchanged a... Uh, hard slaps, or I should say that uh, Kenta gave Danielson hard slaps, but Danielson, because of his shoulder injury, uh, was only using his left arm to strike, so uh, his slaps weren't as hard as they might otherwise have been. But uh, that, I think that helped the match, because um gave gave a, a thread for the match, um, you know, gave Danielson a um, kind of a warrior uh, appearance. Danielson played this match really differently than he's played almost any other match of his that I've seen this year. He, um, which I think really helped the match a lot. He, uh, you know, he's this year. He, you know, he's been great. Don't get me wrong, but his uh, his matches have had a lot more like meandering, you know, do- uh, toying with the crowd, mm-hmm. goofing off. Um, in this match, he just played it super straight and serious, like like you know, like he would have done two years ago, and um, you know, it worked. He was he was pretty much like he was much more over as a face than I expected. I'd say. The crowd was pretty split, but I'd say they were slightly in Danielson's favor in this case. And he, uh, you know, he really played that up. He seemed like he was just desperate to retain that title and really determined, and like he was going to do everything he could. And these guys did everything in this match. Um, like I can't think of a big spot that they didn't do. Uh, Danielson, you know, did his dive to the outside. Um, they exchanged. They had a big spot in the middle where they exchanged. Um, um, Kenta booted him in the face, and uh, Danielson bounced off the ropes and hit a headbutt, and they repeated that a few times. Um, the crowd was just going nuts for all of it. Um, the most spectacular spot of the match was um, Danielson went up for the uh, headbutt, mm-hmm. um, but Kenta did his thing where he uh, he pops up and leaps the top rope to go for the top rope falcon arrow. But Danielson blocked the falcon arrow, knocked Kenta off the top rope, and then uh, went for another dive. But Kenta stood up, and actually caught Danielson on his shoulders. His knees buckled a little, but he stayed on his feet. And then he hit the go to sleep, which uh, oh. one of one of the best spots I've seen live. Uh, Kenta uh, went for the uh, you know went for the pin. Danielson kicked out, which I believe is the first time that's happened in any of his ROH matches. Mm. And uh, then they they changed some more big spots. Uh, Danielson hit the uh, hit the Regal Plex for two. Um, Kenta hit the uh, Busaiku knee kick. Um, and then Danielson, uh, you know, fell over the rope, like draped over it, like he was, uh, you know, getting ready for like the bo- big boss man, uh, you know, straddle. Sure. But Kent, Kent ran at him and uh, hit another knee, knee to the um, to the back of the head. Then uh, he went for it again, but Danielson moved out of the way and Kent uh, sprang off the ropes again. And Danielson uh, grabbed a waist lock and rolled him over. And I thought that was going to be it. Like that was probably the, the best near fall of the match, and he got. We got two. Um, Danielson got the um, chicken wing on. Uh, kind of fought out of that. Kind of got a shoulder block on. Danielson fought out of that. Um, uh, Danielson got the cattle mutilation on, but uh, uh, Kenta rolled over and covered uh, covered Danielson for another two count. Um, Danielson started going for those elbows that he's won a lot of matches with, the uh, mm-hmm. the knockout elbows. But Kenta fought out of that. Went for another uh, go to sleep, um, but Danielson fought out. Hit a, a tiger suplex for a two count. Um, got on cat mutilation again. Kenneth fought out. Went for the elbows again. Kenneth fought out. 
just went for the calculation, then he just pulled him into the center, went for it one more time, and Kenta finally tapped out. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was exhausting for me. Just, it was exhausting for me just to, uh, you know, explain the finish of the match just now. <laughs> but um, it was, uh, yeah, just uh, unbelievable. Probably the best match I've seen this year, um, and that's saying a lot. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, couldn't have asked for a better uh, a better way to end the night. It just... It was it was just a, such a super serious, intense match. It was I don't know. It just it just really you know made it was just, it was just special. I don't know how you know what else to say. All right now, uh, Danielson has passed one year as ROH champ, which uh, Samoa Joe was of course. He was 21 months, I believe. So, do you think Danielson has surpassed Joe as uh, the best ROH champ? Uh, it's really tough. I think I actually prefer Danielson's matches and his style. He's, mm-hmm. you know, probably my favorite wrestler. But I'm actually going to have to say no on this one just because of what Joe did for the title. He mm-hmm. kind of took it from indie title to uh, to a title that not only made ROH but made himself. Like he kind of he took he took the title and made himself a star. And not too many other guys would do that. And now that title means so much more than it ever would have. If uh, if uh, you know Aries had won it from Xavier, you know, or something like that, and um, I mean you know Joe, Joe just did so much for the title, and his matches were so special, and it was just at such a, like a pivotal time for the company that I think it would really take a lot for uh, anybody to surpass him. That's it, just pure like performance-wise, Danielson is right up there. He's at least as good. Okay, I would I would agree. I think Danielson has mainly built upon what Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, he's just followed what Joe built in his first title reign, and uh, it's uh, it's close, maybe closer than you think, but uh, Joe's still the champ for now. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't think that Danielson will, nor do I think he should hit that 22 month reign. I mm-hmm. uh, I still think that he's probably going to uh, drop the homicide in uh, in December, which I think is it's fine. I mean, Danielson. He's had an amazing reign. I was really happy to see him get to one year. I was rooting for him. And, um, you know, hopefully his shoulder holds up for the next few months and he has, you know, another classic match with Joe and he can get that match with Aries in. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Who else is there left from his face? Um, um, that's, yeah, if they do, if they spread it out, and oh, Kamala, I guess, but um, <laughs> if they spread this out, you could probably just have Joe and Aries and then the homicide match in uh, in December. Right. Um, you know, I'd say the only main guy that he hasn't really wrestled during his title reign would be someone like Matt Seidel, who, while good, I don't think would be a, would be seen by a lot of people as an adequate, you know, main event title challenger at this stage. Yeah. And then Davey Richards, which, you know, they could definitely do. That would be a good match. And, you know, and they might even do that. They might have um, Danielson go over Richards. But um, I uh, <clears throat> I think they might be saving that one. See, what I was thinking would happen would be Homicide would beat Danielson, and then maybe Richards takes it from Homicide after not too long, and then that's when they would do the Danielson versus Richards match. I think it's probably too soon for Richards to get the uh, the title shot. I can see Homicide winning it and probably dropping it to Roderick Strong at some point in 2007, but mm-hmm. that's just yeah, what I feel. Rich- with Richards, um, yeah, I definitely they're pushing really hard. I'm definitely mm-hmm. expecting at least a minor backlash, just because you know wrestling fans are jerks like that. But uh, you know, maybe not. You know, he's been he's been delivering in pretty much every performance, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens. They're definitely they're definitely pushing him as hard as 
any newcomers since Austin Aries. Mm. All right, so this sounds like uh, a must-buy show, like uh, steal money from uh, the elderly and, and buy the yeah, show. The, the definition of a must-buy show. It's, I mean, I haven't seen every Japanese wrestling event this year, but from what I've seen, I can't think of one that would match up to this, and um, definitely no U.S. show will match up to this. Mm. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was a rousing success. They've uh, they pretty much uh, did everything that they needed to do. I mean, I I feel like such a like such a mark raving about it like this. But I find that if you go on the uh, the internet, um, you won't find too many people disagreeing with me. I haven't really seen anyone saying you know, eh, the show was you know whatever. No one's usually you find someone to play a turn the punch bowl like that. But everyone's raving about this. So I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the uh, to seeing the, uh, uh, the the show from the 15th. I think mm-hmm. Strong versus uh, Joe sounds like a great match. I'd almost like to see them do Aries versus Richards again when they could, you know, do everything they wanted to do. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we'll see that match at some point again mm-hmm. down the road. But um, let's see. As far as DVDs, I have up to the hundredth show, and I have uh, the last Death Before the Sun are sitting on my. Um, on my TV. So, uh, have you been keeping up with DVDs? Like any uh, hot shows um, I've, I've missed out on? I should make sure to pick up. Um, let's see. Uh, the Ring of Homicide show, which I, which I've talked about twice on this show already, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to spare it. But yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, I really like the uh, the Throwdown show from Detroit. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people think that was just an, a so-so show, but I actually preferred it to the Chi-Town Struggle show from the next night. I was really impressed with the uh, three-way title match between Danielson, Jacobs, and B.J. Whitmer. It had a lot of heat. Um, you know, people were actually getting into Jacobs' near falls. Um, so that's one. You know, I don't know if that's a must-buy show, but I think if you, uh, if you, buy, if you buy most ROH shows, that would be one to pick up. Um, Chi-Town Struggle has a great Kenta versus Aries match. Probably my, uh, my favorite ROH Kenta match prior to uh, the Danielson match. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a good one. Um, you know, 100th show and uh, Death Before Dishonor 4 are both excellent shows. Uh, we discussed uh, Death Before Dishonor at length on the last right. uh, time I was on this show. Um, War of the Wire 2, I got and I kind of, you know, skimmed through it. That seems like a really good show. Um, Generation Now, you know, seems like a good show. It didn't seem like it really had necessarily had the high points that, uh, that some of the other shows have had, but, you know, not a bad show to, to have. Um, I watched the uh, Nigel versus Danielson match from that one, and I didn't like it quite as much as the one from Weekend of Champions Night 2, but you know, it was still a really good match uh, to set the stage for their UK match. I think, um, you know, the next big releases are going to be the uh, August 5th show from Edison, New Jersey, that had Kenta versus Davey Richards and Samoa Joe versus Danielson in the, uh, well, I guess I won't spoil it in case there are, like, two people out there who don't know what happened. But uh, so uh, that's a great one, and then the uh, the Liverpool show from I believe August twelfth, uh, mm-hmm. with um, the Briscoes versus uh, Aries and Strong one last time, and Nigel versus Danielson, in what Gabe Sapolsky said was the uh, best ROH match of the year. So um, that's pretty high praise. So uh, I think those are the shows to really look out for. All right, and it looks like um, there's going to be another double shot in the same. Locations is Glory by Honor on December 22nd and 23rd. So I'm guessing this will be the combined final battle shows. Yeah, possibly. Although I have, they haven't really done the uh, you know the, the multi-night uh, big event thing. Um, 
more than once in a year, so they might just have New York be final battle and Connecticut be, uh, you know, uh, like you said before, uh, the show before the uh, the, uh, the big show. Prelude to final battle, so. But I, I was hoping have... for a, a Noah versus ROH kind of theme, but it doesn't look like that will happen until 2007. Yeah, um, I mean, that would be a... That'd be pretty good. I mean, they could do. They would. Uh, they would be able to do Joe versus uh, Morishima. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, they could build that up for a long time, and it would be fine. Um, Joe versus Kenta is still. Uh, it's still out there, and uh, mm. definitely something a lot of people would want to see. Um, you know, a rematch for, between Nigel and Marafuji would have been a good one. Um, what other uh, Noah versus ROH matches would you uh, be interested in? Oh, um, I don't know. It depends. Uh, it depends who they bring over. Like. Um... By the way, we just see the the, the five uh, that that were brought over for the Glory by Arno weekend, or whether they bring in some other guys like a, a Sua. I would love to see. Yes, yes, Sua would be a that would be a tremendous, and, um, and maybe just some uh, I don't know, all kinds of guys. Maybe maybe Tawei just for the weirdness of seeing him in the uh, <laughs> Ring of Honor ring. Yeah, that would be something. You know, maybe maybe they'll uh, one day be able to get Mazawa in there. Yeah, maybe although. I mean, you know, just for a, a token, uh, you know, tag team match of some kind. Yeah, he can half-ass it in uh, America. Oh, I'd like to see sure Tawei uh, versus Jack Evans, just so there's a more strange Tawei match than Tawei versus Tommy Dreamer. But uh, <laughs> that's probably just a, a, a pipe dream. No, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, Tawei versus Tommy Dreamer is still weirder. <laughs> that that may be. And uh, Kenta will be in on uh, the 3rd and 4th of November, including a show in Braintree, Mass, which I should be at. So maybe we'll get the um, Samoa Joe-Kenta match finally at, at one of these events. Yeah, that would be... I mean, I can't think of who else is left for Kenta. Um, I guess, uh, you know, if they get AJ Styles back in, that would be something that some people would want to see. Although, mm. you know, I don't know how well that would work. It, uh, you know, it seems like it might be a clash of styles, but, you know, who knows. And uh, Kenta versus Homicide is the other big one. Mm. So... Homicide's wrestling, I believe, Carino on the uh, on November fourth in Philly. So maybe they could do Kenta versus Homicide in uh, in Braintree. Hmm. That could happen. We shall see. And um, are you uh, are you excited that they're finally getting back to Boston? I am excited. I wish it was a Saturday show, but uh, beggars cannot be choosers. So this do is. You, uh, uh, do you th- oh, go ahead. Do you think that um, Boston has been a disappointing market for them? Like the times that you were there, would you say the crowds have been good? Um, do you understand why um, they left in the first place? It varies. Um, I mean, the crowds never seem bad. They always seem to get at least 450. And, I mean, I've seen crowds in uh, Minneapolis and, and Cleveland that don't seem much greater than that. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've had very big location problems. I think at one point mm-hmm. they ran something like uh, 11 straight shows were in nine different locations, some um, ungodly number yeah. like that. And it's I, hard to build a market when you're always moving around. But, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I'm, I, guess... I mean, if it wasn't, if I mean, if they weren't making money, I mean, I totally understand. Then you, then you can't, uh, you can't run in Massachusetts. I was a little disappointed they never did at least like a farewell show. Like we're going to do one last show here, you know, hopefully draw a big crowd and at least do okay instead of just you know pretty much vanishing from Massachusetts without an explanation. But I'm glad they're back and I'll de- definitely support them uh, this time. Yeah, it's uh, it might be more cost effective for them now that they're doing double shots for mm-hmm. almost every uh, you know almost every show, so they won't have to uh, you know lug the uh, thing on lug the ring and stuff on sure. the road just to uh, go to Boston for a um, you know a crowd that they uh, you know you know like half the crowd that they would get in Philly or something like that. Yeah. 
All right, and uh, in sad news, we have to discuss this. It looks like Prince Nana uh, has given his notice to the company. It was weird. I saw him at the uh, Friday show. He was just hanging around, joking and laughing with people, but um, I guess the embassy is no more. Yeah, um, you know, I I don't think anybody who watches Ring of Honor is is the least bit happy about this, but, um, you know, and he hasn't really given a... uh, a concrete explanation. He just said he has other things to do and he's taking a vacation, so maybe he'll be back one day. But uh, yeah, he added a lot to those shows. He was probably the probably the best young manager in the business right now, and uh, I think Jimmy Rave has a lot of his career to thank. To, oh yeah, you know, to thank Nana for. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. But uh, yeah, ROH will definitely be a gloomier place without Prince Nana around. Um. Yeah, there'll be no one to yell Jimmy Rave during uh, Jimmy Rave matches, which, which the world is indeed a darker and sadder place because of it. But well, hopefully, um, I don't know. Uh, Matt Seidel will take up picking, eh? take up saying, eh, to, uh, to fill the void a little bit. Well, maybe someday, but things will never be quite the same. No. All right. Well, we're going to end on a down note, but uh, I guess that's it. Unless you have anything else you'd like to uh, mention. Uh, no, just uh, you know, buy the shows from this weekend. Uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll be a dorky show and say you know support Ring of Honor because they uh, are putting out uh, quite the product this year, and uh, I had a great time on the show. Thanks for listening. All right, and um, I guess I'll do it. I guess you just plugged whatever you had to plug, unless there's anything else. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'll remind everyone to check us out at joeversestheworld.com or thecubsfan.com we have a full archive of shows sorted by guest and subject matter so you'll find something you like including uh, Matt's two previous appearances I will be back next week and hopefully I'll get uh, Vince Verheye back on the show to talk about his fabulous comeback match and other various and sundry things so stay tuned uh, Matt definitely want to thank you for being on always fun we'll try to get you back okay. on maybe in uh, December if we do another double shot type deal Sounds like fun, and thanks for having me. All right, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and I will talk to you soon.